Welcome to the Calvary Podcast. Get ready to dive into an inspiring message. Our aim is to share teachings that bring transformation and hope to your life. So, open your heart, be ready to listen, and prepare for a powerful encounter with the Word. Let's get started. All right, I want to share a message today just to launch us into our uh, fasting season. Excited about what God is going to do. I want you to turn with me your Bibles to Matthew chapter 6. Matthew 6. We, we have some kind of fast every year in January to begin the year. And today I want to just give you faith to follow that. Faith to take that step of faith. We're all at different places in our spiritual journey. For some of you, you've been fasting for many years. Others, it's brand new. I'll give you some guidelines. You, you saw that on our website, calvaryassembly.org, do slash fast, and we're going to have some daily direction for you. But let me encourage you. There's something powerful in Scripture. There are fasts in Scripture that have transformed nations. I want you to think of this. There is a movement in America today and really around the world to spend some time in fasting in the month of January. It is something I've seen grow over the years. You used to not hear that much about it. Of course, Christians have always had fasting, prayer and fasting as a part of their lifestyle. But there is a movement. There is a, there is a push, an urgency throughout the body of Christ in this world today to spend some amount of time praying and fasting to begin the year. I'm excited about that. I want to say again, there are biblical records of prayer and fasting that have literally changed the course of entire nation. How many are thankful we're a part of that today, huh? We're a part of something God is doing. Now, I want to help us today, okay? I want you to listen. I want you to receive. I want you to say, God, uh, what do you want me to do? How do you want me to participate? We begin tomorrow and go through the following Wednesday, the 31st, 10 days. We call this our Pentecost fast. They were in the upper room praying for 10 days when the Holy Spirit was poured out on them and the church was launched. Now, there are different different ways to fast. Again, if you're a beginner, start somewhere. And let me encourage you with this. A fast is not about being guilty. It's about setting a goal. How many heard what I just said? I want to say that again. Everybody listening to me? A fast is not about guilt. It's about a goal. I want to ask you to set a goal. Today, Pastor, I'm going to be part of this fast. If you've never done it before, I'm going to be part of this. If you, if you, if you have a bad day, get back towards your goal. Get away from your guilt. Okay. Come on. So here's what I want you to do. Uh, there are different kinds of fasts. Sometimes we've done a Daniel fast for 21 days. We get that from the book of Daniel where he just basically ate fruits and vegetables and drank water. And uh, we've done that. This isn't about uh, a physical diet. It's about a spiritual journey with God. And so uh, there's that type of fast. Maybe you'll choose to do that. I'm leaving this 10-day fast to you and the Lord, your discretion. How do you want to do that? Some people, maybe you're just beginning. Maybe you're going to fast one meal a day. Some people will fast and only eat the evening meal each day, okay? Uh, Do what's right for your physical condition. Uh, Follow your doctor's guidelines. Uh, Take your medicine. Everybody hear all those things I'm saying? But I want you to set a goal. Somebody say goal. Set a goal. And I want you to move towards that goal. For me, this fast, I'm doing liquids only. I feel like that's what I'm supposed to do, mostly just water. Uh, and, and when I say liquids, that doesn't mean milkshakes and, and stuff like that. Okay? I'm going after this because I have some very specific things that I'm believing God to do. And I believe I need to really buy in big time. And I'm doing that for you and for me and my family as well. Maybe it, so there's different ways. But do something. 
do something, set a goal, do something, and stick with that. Here's the main thing I want you to do. I want you to finish this fast. I don't want you to start and give up and walk off. I want us to do this together. Can somebody say amen? I want you to do it together. So set a go. Go for it. If you miss it, get back in the saddle and go for it again, all right? And it's not about guilt. It's about a goal. And, and, and find a place you can start. Maybe you're going to, you need to try it out. Say, can I, can I fast a meal a day? You do that and you work. You say, okay, I'm, I, I, believe, I believe I can do two meals a day. I can just eat my evening meal. Uh, wh- whatever it is, I want you to go for it. it. It may be that along with your fast, some people, I think this would be really, really helpful for almost all of us. You may want to do some social media fasting during this time. You know what? Because fasting is not just about staying away from food. Fasting is about spending time with God. So what if we took some of our social media time and we gave that to God during this fast? See, that's, I think that's critical. What if we fasted negativity in our conversation? Come on, you with me? Listen, there. let's add that in. What if, we, what if we set a goal? Remember, this is not about guilt. It's about what? Boy, come on. I know you're faster than that. This isn't about guilt. It's about what? A goal. So what if you say, you know what? This is my time to be set free from that negative talking, that negative thinking. I'm going to fast criticism. Wow. What if our nation fasted criticism for a week? Can you imagine what would happen in America if we made all the politicians sit down and say, you, you can't gripe at anybody else for the next 10 days. Dear God, we might have a revival in this country. We might actually get along, you know. What if we... So, so somewhere in this thing, what does God want you to do? It, it, the whole goal is, is this. How do I draw closer to God? How do I close some doors, amen, that need to be closed? And how do I see God open some doors that only God can open? So it's an exciting journey. I believe God's going to help you and give you grace to do this, all right? So, so uh, sharing that, sharing that, uh, again, we start tomorrow, 10 days a week from Wednesday, the 31st, last day of this month, is, is the last, the 10th day. We'll wrap it up together on that Wednesday night, the 31st. It is going to be exciting. So I, I can't wait for us to kick this off tomorrow. I want you to know Pastor Phyllis and I are going to be fasting with you, praying for you, agreeing with you, uh, this whole church family. I believe something powerful will happen if we in unity and agreement can do this together. Can somebody say Amen. It doesn't matter if we're doing exactly the same thing, but we're all together in this thing. Think of the power of God that is released when we get in unity on this. All right, so we're going to do that. So now I'm in Matthew 6. Uh, Jesus comes to earth. I want you to understand why prayer and fasting is not just fasting. A lot of people fast. Biblically, it's prayer and fasting. That's, that's linked together. That's the goal. So Jesus comes to earth. I want you to get this. Make sure we understand this. And the first thing he says in the gospel, this is his first declaration. The kingdom of God has come. That's what Jesus said. He said, I've come to bring the kingdom of God. What is that? He said, I've come to bring what God wills in heaven to become reality on earth. How many are thankful for that? Nobody had ever made that statement before. Jesus said, you need to understand that God has a kingdom. He has authority, he has power. He has a way that he operates that earth needs. How many believe that to be true? We need to access how God thinks, how God acts, what his will is. And Jesus said, I'm going to establish something. I'm bringing the kingdom of God to earth. When the disciples said, hey, how do we pray? He said, this is how you pray. Our Father which art in heaven. 
Hallowed be thy name. Holy, worthy is thy name. And what did he say? Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Jesus came so that while we are living on earth, we could experience God's will in heaven. That's why he came. That's what he came to do. Christianity is not just hold on to the sweet by and by. Christianity is a powerful personal relationship with Jesus. Are you with me? That allows you and I to access heaven while we're living on this earth. That's what Jesus came to establish. I, I don't know. I, I, I think the, the, the term bored Christian are two words that can never be spoken together at the same time. Come on, guys. I know it's cold outside, but this isn't church of the first frigid air today. Get, give somebody a little nudge and say, come on, what? help a brother out. Go ahead and tell him. I need to help a brother out today. Huh? This brother. All right. So, so what we need to see and what I love about this is we get to live the principles of God's kingdom here on earth. My life is imminently better. Would anybody say your life is better since you become a Christian? than it was before you was, were a Christian. Can I make a statement? And I believe this, and I mean this. My best day, my best day before I met Jesus has never equaled my worst day since I've been a Christian. I would not trade one day following Jesus for all the days I had before that time. Why? Because I have a personal relationship with Jesus who has opened to me in my life the things of God on this earth. It is absolutely amazing. Do you understand the privilege a local church has? A local church, you and I gather together, ordinary men and women who didn't deserve it, but were saved by the grace of God. Do you know what we get to do? Do you know who we are? We get to bring heaven's resources to the needs of earth. What a high and holy privilege we live in every day. We carry the treasure of heaven with us everywhere we go. Not because of who we are, but because of what he did for us and who he is in us. So Jesus came and he says, hey, I've got a declaration to make. Heaven's coming to earth. The kingdom of God is available through me and I want to make that declaration. So, so he makes that declaration. We see what happens. He, he begins his earthly ministry. He's baptized by John. As he comes up out of the waters of the Jordan River, the Holy Spirit descends on him and anoints him to preach. He begins to preach. He begins to declare the good news, read the gospels. He declares the kingdom of God. And how does he demonstrate that? He begins to heal the sick. He begins to raise the dead. He begins to walk on water. He begins to break bread and feed 20,000 people. All right. He, he is demonstrating a kingdom. Listen to me that comes from God that is not limited to the resources of earth. He's literally demonstrating. Here's this kingdom. It doesn't have the limits earth has. It doesn't have the restrictions that, that the earth has. And, and Jesus came to do that. And then we get here to Matthew 5, 6, and 7, and it's called the Sermon on the Mount. Many say it's the greatest uh, discourse, the greatest uh, speech, whatever you want to call it, that was ever given. And why did he give the Sermon on the Mount? He had demonstrated the kingdom, and now he says, you've seen it, this is how it works. You've seen me do it, now I'm going to teach you how this kingdom works. So let's look at this. We're in Matthew chapter 6. And, and we are, by the way, in Mark's, I, I love this. It's only in, in the gospel of Mark, Mark chapter one. The Bible says that when Jesus was baptized in water by John, he was about 30 years of age. It was now time to start his public ministry. As he comes up out of the water, all the gospels say the Holy Spirit came to rest on him. 
But Mark says, as the Holy Spirit came to rest on him, and it, it says it's a violent term. It says, and the heavens were ripped open, and the Holy Spirit came to rest on him. That word heavens is not talking about heaven where God lives. It's talking about the spiritual atmosphere surrounding the earth. And until Jesus came, Satan had been the God of the age. Satan had taken the authority Adam had lost. And when the Holy Spirit came to rest on Jesus and dwell here, everything hell had, I want you to see this, everything hell had was trying to hold that back. But when God says, I'm coming and it's my time, are you ready? When God says, it's my appointed moment, there's not enough demons in hell, power in hell, all the energy of hell cannot hold that back. Literally, the Holy Spirit ripped a hole in the devil's air defenses and established the kingdom of God. And the Bible says the same Holy Spirit that quickened Jesus Christ lives in you and I as born-again believers. What an incredible kingdom has come to us. It's incredible. So heaven has come to earth. And Jesus says, this is how it works. This is how it works. You've got to see this, guys. Some people are so, what's the word? I I don't want to say spiritual because that's a good word, not a bad word. Some people are so um, kind of spiritual (laughs) that they don't understand why the kingdom came. They just think it's about Sunday morning and goosebumps. Everybody with me? Don't shout me down because I'm preaching good today. A lot of people think Jesus just came to make them feel good. Jesus just came that I could shout. Jesus just came so I can go to church and get my, get my groove on. You understand what I'm saying? They sang my favorite song and Granny got her groove on. You know, it just, I, I came to church and it was good. You know, no. Jesus came. Heaven comes. His kingdom comes. So that through us, people that don't know him get to see him. So that through us, they can see he is God. He is real. He does care. Heaven has to come and get inside these human bodies. Everybody with me? Heaven needs to get boots on the ground. We become the hands of Jesus, the feet of Jesus, the mouth of Jesus, the eyes of Jesus, the ears of Jesus, the heart of Jesus. See, heaven comes not to just be a theory. Not to just create a Sunday morning club. Heaven came through him, to us, through us, so that this hurting world can have hope again. There is a God who is real and he's right here for us. That's what this is about. So, so he says, you see me demonstrate the kingdom, okay? Now let me show you how the kingdom operates. So let's look at this. There were three expressions that he gave the Sermon of the Mount. And he did not say, if you do these things, he said, when you do these things. It's just the way we live in this kingdom as believers in Christ. So Matthew chapter 6, verse 2. You ready to follow with me? Matthew 6, 2. What do we read? So when you give, okay, that's one of the things that happens. It flips the whole script. I'm not going to teach about giving and finances. Relax. You can get your hand off your your, uh, pocketbook right now, okay? Just chill. It's all good. But you know what happens? He didn't say if you give. He said when you give. Suddenly, powerfully, by God's grace, we stop being getters and start being givers. We stop just living for a blessing and we become a blessing. You understand? It it changes everything. We don't just like people for what they can do for us. We look for opportunities to make their life better. When you get married, it's not because they make you happy. It's because you can make them better. 
So he says, the first thing that happens in this kingdom is when you give. Drop down to verse number five. The next thing he says, not if, but when you pray. He, we, we begin to realize we're, we're, if we're going to live this life, if we're going to have a personal relationship with the Father through Jesus Christ, we get to talk to him. We get to communicate with him. So it's not if you pray, it's when you pray. These are the expressions of the kingdom. This is how what he brought to earth becomes reality. Everybody with me here? You're with me? Okay. So then let's look at verse number 16. He says this. These three things. He says, when you give, when you pray. And then we come to verse 16. Let's read a little bit about this. What does he say here? So when you fast. So these were <clears throat> expression. This is how we live because, help me, because we are connected to something bigger than earth. Because we are in a relationship with the God who created the earth. And he's for us. So watch this. Verse 16. When you fast, not if you fast, when you fast, do not look somber as the hypocrites do. So they do what? It says they disfigure their faces to show men they are fasting. Come on. So some people have read that and said, you can't ever say you're fasting. That's not what the Bible says. There are many, as I said, uh, corporate fasts called in Scripture. We should pray corporately. We should have a time of agreement. And we know we're fasting. We've set a goal to fast. But he says, don't go around and try to prove you're holy and impress people. You know, don't go to work three days in the fast like this. What's wrong? Oh, nothing. Yeah, come on. And if somebody in your family's not fasting, don't... Okay, let me help you. Don't be ugly towards them. Okay, if somebody in your family is not fasting, ladies, <laughs> if you're fasting and the hubby's not, be nice to him. Don't tell him, I'm fasting. You cooked your own breakfast today. You probably lost your blessing right there on that thing. All right? So see, <laughs> all right, I can tell. Let me, I bet, let me get back over here. I'm, I'm, I'm edgy here. So, so what he says, it's not for people. It's not to show we're holy. Are you with me? He says, don't disfigure your face and go around like you're sad. All right? He says, I take, why? Watch this. Are you with me? In verse 16, I tell you the truth. They received their reward in, reward in full. I don't know about you, but fasting is a challenge for me. Fasting isn't easy for me. I like to eat. Anybody else like to eat? I, I generally enjoy food. I enjoy it. And so when I fast, let me be honest, I don't, I don't wake up the first day of a fast and the angels lift me out of bed. And, and suddenly I have no appetite, you know. And I'm 10 days in and I, somebody says, oh, and I, I, I didn't even realize I haven't eaten. It was just, it was awesome and wonderful. No, I'm hungry. I don't like to watch TV when I'm fasting, do you? Have you ever noticed every other commercial is a Whopper or a... Big Mac or pizza, some, you know, and, and, and it used to be like you had to get up and get off the couch and go get it. Now they'll bring it to the, to, excuse me, the dog on front door for you. You can, you understand, you can, whatever it's called, DoorDash, and they'll just bring it to the house. It's the devil. I'm not calling DoorDash a devil. I'm just saying the opportunity is the devil. So, what happens? Yeah, you make a commitment. You make a challenge. You make a goal. But you know why? Because what God does is worth the goal. What changes is worth it. 
And the first change is me. How many heard what I just said? It starts in me, then it starts around me. So, so he says, but when you fast, verse 17, put oil on your head and wash your face. So oil on your head was not like pour oil on your head. He's talking about groom yourself. Do like you do all the time. Take a shower. Look good. Comb your hair. All right. Verse 18. So that it will not be obvious to men that you're fasting. See, I don't want my reward to be what one of you guys think, oh, pastor's holy. It's not worth it. <laughs> you understand what I'm saying? It's not worth it. Just so I'll impress you isn't worth me missing all that food for 10 days. I want a heavenly reward. Can somebody say amen to that? I'm trying to be very practical with you today. Okay? So, so watch this. So, so that it will not be obvious to me that you're fasting, but only to your father who is unseen. Watch this. And your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. So God promises there's a reward for fasting. Did you hear that? There's a reward for fasting. It's an important spiritual partnership with God. It's amazing. There's a reward when we fast. So I've talked about some of these things. Fasting requires God to strengthen you. I believe God's called us to fast. I believe it's our season. I believe it's our moment at Calvary. And I am convinced that as we obey God, the grace to fast comes with that. The strength to fast will come with it. It'll not just be your strength. It's what you're doing because God has called us to. Now, this is what happens in Scripture. I'll share some today. We'll share some during these 10 days on our website. We'll share some. I'll share some with you next Sunday. But these are things that that fasting will unlock for you. In fact, my message today is entitled, Fasting the Key That Locks Doors and Unlocks Doors. Fasting is the key. If a door's there, I need a key to access or lock it. There's some things you need to lock the door on. Come on, somebody say amen to that. How many say, Pastor, I'm ready to lock the door on something. I'm ready to be over with. I can tell you, fasting will let you be free from some areas and issues that have been a problem in your life for a long, long time. Prayer and fasting can close doors that nothing else can close. Prayer and fasting can be the key to open doors that you've never been able to get into. And so we see the power of this. So maybe you're praying for healing. Prayer and fasting is a powerful biblical key to unlock that door. Maybe you need a miracle financially. Prayer and fasting will address a financial need in your life. Maybe, maybe there's a dream inside of you. You're saying, man, I've got a dream of a business or a ministry. I want to go to college. I, I want to see my marriage healed. I want to see prodigal sons and daughters saved. Prayer and fasting takes heaven and connects it to earth and moves mountains. We cannot move by ourselves. What if we decided on this day to start this year, in this January 2024, and we just said, you know what, God, I'm going to go after God like I never have before. I'm just going to go for it. I'm just going to say, God, here I am. I'm going to give you a chance to show yourself mighty in my life. I'm challenging you, give God a chance. Set a goal and give God a chance. What if we just said, this year is going to be different. I'm going to give God every single thing I have. What if this is the year where you really developed your prayer life? You really began to hear the voice of God. You have direction in your life. I'll show you scriptures that praying and fasting will give you answers to direction. Should I take this job? Is this the school to go to? Is this the right direction? Should we buy this house? Should we invest in this? Prayer and fasting will give you direction in the everyday matters of your life. 
You better know if that's the person you ought to be dating or that's the person you're considering marrying. This is, these are direction and decisions that God will give you when you're praying and when you're fasting. You know, Romans 12, 1 says this. Just let me read some of this. I don't have them on scriptures here. I'm just kind of quoting now. But it says, he says, I urge you to consider the mercy of God, to look at the goodness of God and think of his mercy and present your body as a living sacrifice. God, here I am. When I think of your mercy, God, do something in my life. The verse I read today for our offering, but seek first the kingdom of God. God, I'm going to put you first. And what does he say? All these other things will be added to you. Isaiah 58, I just want to quote it. says this, Is not this the fast I have chosen to loose the bands of wickedness, shut the door on some wicked thing to undo the heavy burden. There's, uh, listen, financial poverty is a burden. Lack is a burden. How many can say amen to that? Anybody ever had a season when you didn't have enough? I have. Anybody ever had one of those seasons? Yeah, I've had those seasons. And, and, and so, so fasting takes the burden off. Takes the yoke of sickness off. Takes the yoke of, of lack off. Takes the yoke of bondage off and addiction. God will do those things. So I want to encourage you as you go into this fast. I want you to set some goals. Set some goals. I want you to say, God, I've got 10 days here. 10 days. You may have 10 different areas or maybe you just have one or two. Remember, fasting is the key that locks some doors and unlocks other doors. So you need to be specific when you fast. Don't just pray and fast. What are your goals? What are you asking God to do? How will you know God answered the prayer if you don't know what you're praying? If you're not specific, I want you to think right now in this moment, I guarantee you there's some doors that need to be closed in your life. Anybody? There's some doors. There's some behavior, some activity, some lifestyle. We need to lock the door on that and move on down the road. You know what I believe? I believe it's time in the body of Christ. Let me just say it. Somebody needs to say it. We need to stop debating on whose sin is the worst. And we need to just quit sinning. (laughs) That's what we've gone to. You know why? Because we're powerless today. Instead of having the power and authority to lock the door and get out of sin, we just try to debate whose sin's worse. Well, at least I'm not doing what you're doing. Well, if you can do that, I can do this. Why don't we stop covering sin with compromise and debate and just lock the door in the power of the Holy Spirit? I'd like to see a delivered and free church instead of a bound arguing church in the United States of America again. Anybody just with me? Just thought I'd say that. So you see, we can lock some doors. We can move on. God, some open some doors. Listen, it's time for you and I and God to just get honest in this thing. Say, God, this is what I'm believing for. You don't have to tell anybody else. There's some people you need to forgive. Go ahead and forgive them during this fast. Come on, let's lock that door. Let's go in. On Monday, maybe you need to say, God, today I pray that the grace and strength of God will enable me to forgive that person. And you say, well, 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 Pastor, I don't have the ability. Exactly. That's why we're praying and fasting. Because heaven comes into that moment. I believe God is big enough. Did anybody believe God's big enough? You believe God can help you forgive the unforgivable? You believe God can change situation, break off bondage, change your lifestyle? What we need to believe God for in America, in the church again, is transformation. 
that we're not who we used to be. Anybody with me on this? That we stop doing what we did and start becoming who he made us to be. I'm believing transformation in this fast. Shut some doors. Lock some doors. Move on in our journey and allow God to do the things that he wants us to do. Let, let, let me show you this. So be specific. Have a goal. What am I praying about on day one? What am I praying about on day two? Maybe you need to carry it over to day three. But goals, I'm praying, I'm specific. This is my prayer goal today. And let's believe God for those things. Turn to Mark chapter 9 and verse number 14 with me. Mark nine fourteen. Prayer and fasting is just a partnership with God where you begin to realize, God, it's not about me, it's about you. When will we be humble enough to say, God, I can't do it, but I believe you can. Can we get there in our faith today, guys? Can we get there in these next 10 days? Instead of saying, I can't do it, so let's make an excuse for it. What if we start saying, I can't do it, but God, I know you can. I know you're big enough. Let's stop making excuses and start praying and fasting. Let's stop arguing and start praying and fasting. Let's just believe God. It's when, what did Jesus, I told you, he came and says, I'm here to announce the kingdom of God. Can I give you some good news? There's no unforgiveness in heaven. There's no bitterness in heaven. And he said, I want to bring heaven to earth right here. I want to bring transformation where you are. And it's not by might or power. We don't have the ability to do it. Is everybody hearing me today? This isn't about guilt. It's about a goal. It's about saying, God, I can't do it, but you can do it. God, I'm going to give you the opportunity to do it. It's not me sitting here the day before fast and saying, I just can't do that. You and God can do that. Are you listening to me today? You and God can do it. Start somewhere. Give him the opportunity. Do this 10 days. Guys, I I just implore you and adjure you. Do these 10 days. Join it and stick to it. If you have a rough day, get back in the saddle. Can somebody say amen? It's not about guilt. It's about a goal. Start where you can. Do what you can and watch God move in this place in your life. Give him the chance. It's beyond our ability. Some things we just cannot do. Look at Mark chapter 9 and verse 14. Let's, let's look at this. You, you, you know the setting. Uh, the, Jesus, Jesus. Peter, James, and John had been on the Mount of Transfiguration. They just had this incredible encounter. Peter, as always, opened his mouth when he should have been quiet. Then he said, hey, let's just build a tabernacle here. And God says, listen to my son. He said, Peter, I don't need any advice. Just do it. So they're coming down from this incredible encounter with God, all right? They've had this encounter. Remember, I told you the kingdom of God is not just to have a merry time on a Sunday morning in a building. It works in everyday life. It's supposed to flow through us. And so they're coming down from this incredible encounter. We're in Mark 9, 14. When they came to the other disciples, they saw a large crowd around them and the teachers of the law arguing with them. Do you know what you notice? In the absence of the power of God, people argue theology. I want to say that again. In the absence of the power of God, people argue theology. Here's what I like to say. It's hard to argue with a man who has a testimony. It's hard to argue with a lady that God doesn't heal when she has the x-ray, she had cancer, and now they're free. See what I'm saying? Theological arguments increase in the void of the power of God. And so here they were. Notice what happens. A large crowd and, and the teachers of the law were arguing with them. Verse 15. As soon as all the people saw Jesus, they were overwhelmed with wonder and ran to greet him. All right? 
What are you arguing with them about? He asked the disciples. Almost, almost a rebuke. You see that? So what are you arguing about? He wants to know. Well, verse 17, a man in the crowd answered, Teacher, I brought you my son who is possessed by spirit that has robbed him of speech. Whenever it seizes him, it throws him to the ground. He foams at the mouth, gnashes his teeth, and becomes rigid. I asked your disciples to drive out the spirit, but they could not. Oh, unbelieving generation, Jesus replied. How long will I stay with you? How long shall I put up with you? Bring the boy to me. Are you ready? Watch this. So they brought him. When the spirit, not the boy. See, we have to understand what's going on in this world today. Do you understand what's going on in this world today? We keep arguing with personalities when we need to get some authority over the principalities. We need to understand what's really going on. We need to stop arguing and we need to start exercising some authority. It's a shame the arguments and the division in the church today. And I want to stand in this pulpit and say, if it's George Sawyer, I'll step over here. But if it's the Word of God, I'll stay back here. Because I'm telling you, arguments about theology and these other issues are bred in a void of the power of God. And so we, he, he, when the Spirit saw Jesus, when the Spirit saw Jesus, it immediately threw the boy into a convulsion. He fell to the ground and rolled around foaming at the mouth. Jesus asked the boy's father, how long has he been like this? From childhood, he answered. It has often thrown him into fire or water to kill him. But if you can, right now somebody needs to play an organ for me right now. Well, well, you, you know, I can preach like that. You don't think I can, but I can. I just don't have the opportunity very often. Okay. So if you can, look at somebody and say, if you can. I love when somebody asks Jesus that question. But if you can, I'm like, oh, here we go. <laughs> here we go. You know, we need to have a place in the church. We need to get to a place through prayer and fasting where if somebody looks at us and say, well, if you can, that we hear that organ playing in the back of our head. You know, instead of running and hiding, we're like, yeah, here we go. You understand what I'm saying? Instead of saying, well, I don't know. No, something inside of you goes, yeah, <laughs> we've been looking for this. Come on. Come on. If we can, if we can, who's your daddy? What are you asking me? If we can, what do you mean? If we can, do you know who you're talking to? Not us, him. Do you know? Okay. We need to pray and fast more. We need to pray and fast more. So I, here, here he goes. I'm sorry. I can't help it. I read the Bible like you read a comic book. You know what I'm saying? I, was, I see whiz, bang, pow, color. Okay. If you can do anything, take pity on us and help us. <laughs> there it is. Look at verse 23. If you can. Look at Jesus. Come on. Now, Jesus was always holy and right and righteous. He didn't have an attitude like we get. But sometimes he had a little edge. I, I got to tell you. I mean, remember, he's the guy got the whip out in the, in the temple. Come on. There's just some time. There's just some time. So he says, if I can, if I can, if I can, everything is possible if you believe. Mm. That's pre- I could fold the Bible, sit down now. I know some of you thought, well, what do you do? But I'm not. Verse 24, immediately, what word? What did he say? Immediately, the boy's father ex- exclaimed, I do believe. Help my unbelief. Aren't you thankful that he's not afraid of your unbelief today? 
Aren't you thankful he's bigger than your unbelief? I've heard some people preach faith like if you don't have exact, perfect faith in every situation. I've heard faith taught like you, like, <coughs> excuse me, the Bible says you have to have the faith of a mountain to move a molehill. I've heard people teach faith like you have to have faith the size of, uh, of Mount Gibraltar to move a mustard seed. No, the Bible says if you have faith the size of a mustard seed, you can move a mountain. Do you know why? Because you're not the mountain mover. Our God's the mountain mover. So this man said, he said, he said Jesus, I'm trying to believe, but I, I, I'm looking at the boy. Anybody track with me on this? He's been like this his whole life. Come on, let me help you this morning. I'm looking at him, and Pastor, I, I, and Jesus, I want to believe. I want to believe Jesus, but, 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 man, it's been a long journey. Any, you don't have to raise your hand. Any of you had a long journey? Any of you been praying for something a long time? Any of you been, been weary down and you say, you know, I believe in God. I believe you, God. I love you, Lord, but, man, I don't want this issue. I don't know. I, I just don't know. Come on, any of you been there? You been there? Anybody there now? You don't raise your hand. I'm just helping you. You might have been at that place and say, you know what? I know God's good. You can raise your hand on this. How many believe God is good? How many believe God is faithful? And he will do what he said he will do. But don't raise your hand on this part. But sometimes you go, hmm, hmm. I believe, but God, you got to help my unbelief. Well, I have some good news for you to do. The helper of your unbelief is available to you today. The God who said, there's nothing is impossible. I love this. The God who said, if, if what he said, you're asking me if I can, if I can. The God who walks in the face of hell and says, if I can, he's the God that's for you today. He's the God who says, I know you're struggling, but I'm not struggling. I know you're trying, but I'm not trying. I know it's been a long time, but for me, I'm right on time. Did somebody hear what I just said? See, that's the God we serve. And prayer and fasting gets me in the middle of that fight. I believe, but man, I'm struggling today. I trust you, but it's hard today. That's when prayer and fasting steps us into the presence of God. See, that's why we pray and fast. So, so Jesus immediately uh, exclaimed, the man said, I believe, but help me overcome my unbelief. When Jesus saw a crowd was rushing to the scene, he rebuked the evil spirit. You deaf and mute spirit, he said, I command you come out of him. I like this and never enter him again. The spirit shrieked, convulsed him violently and came out. The boy looked so much like a corpse that many said he's dead. I like these next two words in verse 27, but Jesus. Come on, somebody say, but Jesus, but Jesus. Somebody has looked at your prayer and said it's dead. Some, the devil has lied to you and said your faith is dead. The devil's tried to tell you just give up. But I've got something to say today because we are praying and we are fasting and we are connected to heaven. I say, but Jesus. But Jesus took him by the hand, lifted him to his feet, and he stood up. Come on, church. After Jesus had gone indoors, his disciples asked him privately, Why couldn't we drive that 
out. I want you to go to verse 29 in the King James translation. Some of these newer boys watered some stuff down. And he said unto them, this kind can come forth by nothing but prayer and fasting. Leave that up. So they said, why couldn't we do it? Jesus said, it's not that hard. You need to pray and fast. You know what that tells me? Jesus prayed and fasted. See, he said, what is this whole thing about I'm teaching you today? Jesus said, I've come to announce the kingdom of God. I'm going to connect you to heaven. I'm going to override the limitations of earth. I'm going to connect you to the power of God. I'm going to allow you to see what God can do. And and in this impossible situation where the father said his whole life he's been like this, I believe, but, but help me with my unbelief. Jesus said to the disciples, the reason you could not do this and the reason that I could, this is pretty stunning to me. He didn't say the reason I could is because I'm Jesus. He didn't say the reason I could is because I'm the son of God. He didn't say the reason I could is because I'm the only one on earth who doesn't have an earthly father who was conceived by the Holy Spirit. Are you listening to me? All those things would have been a good answer, but he said something that you and I could do. He said something that didn't leave you and I out. He said, the reason you couldn't is that you're not praying and fasting, and I have been. He gave an answer that everybody reading this today can access. He didn't eliminate us. He didn't separate us. He didn't leave us out of this. He said, prayer and fasting allows us to have moments where we encounter God's presence that enables us to do things that we would never have been able to do before. Amen. I want you to look at this. I want you to understand this. I've debated back and forth on this. But there's a principle here about prayer and fasting. That releases something in the spirit. I want you to think about this with me. What was the first sin ever committed? It's in Genesis. In chapter 3. What happened? Adam and Eve did what? They did what? They ate something. The first manifestation of sin in the Bible was eating. It was eating. Now, I'm not saying eating is sin. Just stay with me, okay? Everybody's like, <clears throat> I want to help you with something. The sin was disobedience. Don't eat from this tree, right? The manifestation of their disobedience was that they ate. When Jesus was in the wilderness, after coming up out of the water of baptism and anointed by the Holy Spirit, Mark chapter 4, Matthew chapter 4, Luke chapter 4. Tell us what happened. He went into the wilderness and for 40 days he fasted. And Satan tempted him. Stay with me. What was the first temptation Satan threw at him? Turn the stone to bread. Eating. Eating is not a sin. Eating is not a sin. Everybody hear what I'm saying today. I don't, so don't misquote me. Here's the principle I want you to see. What's going on there? What was that? Some people say the first manifestation of sin was that of sickness and death. But Adam lived over 900 years after he did that. The first manifestation of eating from that tree, which was a result of disobedience, was what? Separated from God. His work that was a blessing turned into a hardship. And the ground produced thorns and thistles, and where he had been fruitful, now he's living in lack. What happened when man said, I'm going to feed myself naturally and distance myself from God? He lost the presence of God in his life. 
He lost the provision of God in his life. He lost his position with God in his life. No more authority. No, I'm going to tell you, fasting takes everything Adam forfeited with his disobedience and restores spiritually back in your life everything he lost. Do you get that? So in other words, this burden of thorns and thistles and labor and toil and lack, God wants to reverse that in your life. Are you listening to me? God wants to provide for us. Can somebody say amen for that? God wants you to have enough again. Are you listening when I say it? God wants to bless you. He wants to take the burden of financial lack off your life. God also wants to take the burden of being separated from God. Do you know what's happened to us? We've learned to live in the absence of his presence. And fasting brings me back into the presence of God and allows me to live the life God enabled me to live. The, the, this thing of authority. Do you know that God gave Adam authority to represent him on the earth? Do you know that when he sinned, he lost it and Satan grabbed it? Do you know when you pray and fast, we get back everything Adam lost? The authority of the devil is broken off of me and now I have authority over him and he's under my feet. Do you know as you pray and fast, you regain authority over sin? You regain authority over the devil's attack against your family? You regain your authority. Authority is not something I've earned. It's given to me by God. Authority moves in a straight line. If I am under Jesus, he's under the Father, and everything the Father gave him, Jesus gives me. If I walk over here out of his presence, it's up to me. If I stay connected to the presence of God, I represent his authority on this earth like he designed us to originally do. We need to understand that prayer and fasting restores the things that Adam lost, that man lost. It restores what the devil takes away. Satan wants you feeding on this earth when God wants you feeding from the table of heaven. Satan wants us limited to earth when God wants you to remember. He said nothing is impossible if we just believe him. That's the God we serve. And so we walk into this season and we're saying, God, you know what? I believe you're going to do some great things. I believe that you're going to restore what the devil's taken away from my home and my family. I believe you're going to bring these things back. I don't have time to do all this. And just, I want to show you something. The, 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 the Tennessee River used to flood and destroy and do damage. None of us are old enough to live, well, some of you may, or your grandparents. But this river flooded all the place all the time. And finally they said, we got to do something about this flood. We got all this water. We got all this energy untapped. So they build these dams, these locks and dams, and they turn these incredible turbines and produce unbelievable power. It's got our lights on today. They're warning the building up today. Come on, how say hallelujah for that. And you know what happens? God sends revival. God gives his authority. God pours his spirit out. And the church prays and fasts. But they don't really believe God's going to answer because they don't have any plan to do with what God's going to send. Are you listening to me? It's like praying for rain and you didn't bring your umbrella. See, and so God wants to pour his spirit out. But he wants to give the church wisdom. He wants us to believe he's going to answer that prayer. And we have things in place so that when God moves, the power of his Holy Spirit flows through these mighty channels and generates incredible power to release his kingdom on this earth. 
And so you look around this room today. What are all these things? Why do we have light groups and a worship team and a kingdom builders? An encore is our <clears throat> singers ministry, Calvary kids, our Calvary youth. And then we have our first impression and we have ushers and security. We have five-star man. We have ladies recovery. We have Lawrence County Dream Center, Decatur Dream Center, Calvary Espanol, our productions, our Valley Girls, and our Life Track. What are all those things for? Why are all these up right now? We're wanting you to see that we're believing God's going to answer when we pray and fast. That the power of the Holy Spirit's going to move. And we have channels to let that flow through. <laughs> Excuse me. So we don't just stay here on Sunday morning and get a blessing. We become a blessing. We become the channel. We become the hands and feet of Jesus. And it flows through all these entities. Well, I believe that God wants to reach this nation. I believe that God wants to send his power. I believe that God wants his kingdom to come to earth. I believe God wants your neighbors saved. I believe God wants, if you're a Democrat, the Republicans saved. If you're a Republican, I believe he wants the Democrats saved. I believe he wants your enemies saved. I believe he wants your in-laws and your outlaws saved. I believe he wants North Alabama saved. I believe he wants to change this region. But somebody has to become the body of Christ so that as the power of God flows and moves, people can see it. Touch it, feel it, hear it, be a part of it, and walk in the power of God. How does anybody know Jesus heals if we don't pray for the sick? How do we know that he saves if we don't give him a chance to be saved? How do they know that he cares if we don't feed them? How do they know that it matters if we don't clothe them? How do they know there's a place of hope and life and where God does the impossible if we don't demonstrate that? So what I want us to see is we're going to set a goal for 10 days. We're going to encourage you every day on the website. We're going to gather Wednesday and pray. And the kids are studying. And we're studying online with Bible Engagement Project, building the Word in our life. You, we're, we're going to get together. We're going to, I'm going to encourage us next Sunday. I'm going to add another layer to this. And what are we going to do? I'm going to set a goal. I'm not going to let the devil make me feel guilty. I'm not going to look at what I don't do. I'm going to look at what I can do. I'm not going to get over what's done back here. I'm not going to be identified. We're going to lock some doors. Come on, in Jesus' name. Amen. Prayer and fasting. I want you to stand with me. Worship team, come. Come on, let's stand. Please don't go stand. If you leave now, you'll slip on the ice. Just stand with me right now, okay? <laughs> Just stay. We're not done. <laughs> Just stay. Just stay. Listen to me. There's some doors that need to be locked. Come on, church. What, what would be your testimony? What if you're the third generation of addiction in your family? And you walk out free. Boom. He said, I can lock a door no man can ever open again. Come on. I believe that. Anybody believe that? Let's, let's don't play church. Let's be the church. Let, let's, let's don't have to argue about things that we just ought to say. That's what he did. That's what he did. We're, we're believing for people. Monty, I'm believing in Jesus' name for you every day. Every day, Monty. For you and Annette. I looked at Monty the first Sunday we prayed for him dealing with this, 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 this diagnosis of cancer. And I looked up and there are people around him. And, and look at this. This is the greatness of God. I looked up. I counted seven people who had their hand on him who had already been healed of cancer. Come on. This, that, I, I, look at that. I looked up and I said, look at this. God is able. God is able. He's big enough. He's big enough. If, if you're the guy that says, Lord, I believe, but, but, but you got to help my unbelief. <clears throat> He's big enough. 
I'm going to pray and fast. You know why? There's some things beyond my ability. I know they are. Have you got some things you tried to do again and again and again? There's some things that are bigger than I am, but he's not bigger than my God. There's some things in your family. It's time that someone prays and fasts and gives God a moment, an opportunity to lock some doors. I think in heaven, we're going to celebrate maybe more over locked doors than open doors. How many listen to what I'm saying? I really believe that. I believe when we get to heaven, we're going to look, oh, God did this and God did this and God opened that door and that door. I, I, I love open doors, but I, I'm telling you, a fast will lock some doors. It's the key that's going to lock some doors so that we can be what he wants us to be. And he will open some doors that only God can open. So I want to encourage you. I'm going to be praying with you. Pastor Phyllis and I are going to be praying with you tomorrow. Let's start it. Ten days. We're moving to this outpouring of the Holy Spirit. God, we're just stepping into to your range. Jesus said, you can do the impossible things with prayer and fasting. Prayer and fasting. I believe him. Just give him the chance. Not about a guilt. It's about a goal. God, this is what I'm going to do. you got today to pray about it. Think about it. Get somebody on board with you. Encourage each other. God, this is where I'm going to start. I'm really, I really want to get you guys that have never tried this. Give God a chance. Give God a chance. If it's just one meal a day, that's 10 meals out of the next 30. Is that right? Yeah. No. Yeah. 10 out of 30. I'm trying to think 10%. That's 33.33%. All right. You can do that. You can do it. And can I tell you something? That's the wrong statement. You and God can do that. You and God. If I know anything about prayer and fasting, it's a partnership. It's where I just say, God, I'm willing, and God says, I'm able. I'm going to say that again. It's a partnership where you just say, I'm willing, and God says, I'm able. I'm able. I want you to do the 10 days. I want you to hit the goal. Stay in the saddle. Fall off, get back up. Get knocked down, get back up. Let's finish round 10 together. Come on, it's a heavyweight fight. Come on, spiritual Rocky. Get up and do keep on now, round 10. Come on. It's in you. You got that lion in you. You got that tiger in you. You got that goal in you. You got the power of heaven inside of you. So let's pray. I do this very rarely because the men really gripe at me for this. All right. But we're going to join hands. Take the hand of somebody next to you. Come on. Come on. Move across the aisles. Will you move towards the center? Come on. Come on. I'll hurry, gentlemen. I'm sorry. I'll hurry. Come on. Connect. 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 Come on. You got enough manhood to handle this. You're, you're, you're good. You're man enough to handle this. You're man enough. There is no unity on earth like the unity of a body fasting together. I want you to look at this. I may not know what you're fasting about, but God does. And the Bible says when we pray in the Spirit, we pray the will of God. And sometime during these 10 days, I want you to listen to me. You may be feeling weak. Somebody's going to be praying for you. The Holy Spirit's going to tap somebody on the shoulder. They may not say your name, but God knows who you are, where you are, what you're doing. And I want to tell you something. We, were, we will never be more united than we are during a corporate fast. 
where we're just saying, God, these are your days. This is your time, I believe. Let's pray. Father, right now, for my brothers and sisters in this room, what a holy gathering. What a mighty army of men and women of God. Lord, we just come humbly and and honest. (laughs) We don't have to try to prove anything to you. We don't have to prove anything to anyone else. We may be intimidated. We may be challenged. But we are also expectant and excited that we are walking into heaven's realm and not our realm. That we are moving out of our limitations into your possibilities. And so we are praying for one another today. Mighty God, mighty God, mighty God, mighty God, mighty God. (laughs) Your hand is on your people today, mighty God. Your spirit is on your people, mighty God. Your grace is on your people, mighty God. Your anointing, your strength is with us, mighty God. We believe in this moment. We believe in our assignment. We believe in our opportunity in front of us. Miracles are going to happen. Sick bodies are going to be healed. Strongholds are going to be broken. Doors are going to close. Doors are going to open. Satan is going to be defeated. We're going to see the power of God. We love you, Lord. We trust you, God. Lord, it's not about guilt. It's not about shame. It's not about human ability. We're just going to say we're willing. And I hear heaven say, well, I'm able. God, right now we say, if you can. And I hear you saying, if I can. If I can, just show me. Just give me a moment. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. We stand as the people of God today. We're united before you. We're in agreement together. God, we shall see your hand in Jesus' name. You you can drop your hands for a moment. Drop them. Listen to me. Listen, listen. Don't get short-sighted on this. Jesus prayed and fasted for 40 days. Listen to me. And his breakthrough came after the fast. Don't get short-sighted on me. There are things that will happen while you fast. You may not see it in these 10 days, but it's coming. It's going to make something different in February. It's going to follow you into March. It's going to go before you into April. It's going to wait on you in May. It's going to show up in June. It's going to order your steps in July. It's going to come over here and rear its head in August, the faith of God. Come on. In September, you forgot about what you did in January, but what broke through in that fast has got to show up. In October, it's going to be there. In November, you're going to see it. In December, it's going to be there. Don't get short-sighted. What I'm doing in this fast is going to manifest itself. It might be on day 11 or 12 or 13. doesn't matter. God is faithful. God's faithful. Amen? Amen. Thank you for listening today. We hope you found this message uplifting and encouraging. If you're looking to connect in person, we gather every Sunday at 10 a.m. You can also find us online at calvaryassembly.org. And don't forget to follow us on our social media platforms, Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube, for more content, updates, and to stay connected with our community.